0: Well, good morning, everybody. We are so glad to have you here with us today. I uh, hope you are excited to be here on this wonderful Sunday. Um, we are going to be continuing on in our series, week two of this idea of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, if you have your uh, device, whatever it may be, and you want to open that up um, and take a look, we will be starting in Exodus chapter two. We'll be looking at Exodus chapter two, chapter three, and chapter four. Before we do that, I just want to I just want to take care of a couple of things. I I pick on Dawn about not being long because that's my job to go long, so right, and had I known I would have dressed as Buzz Lightyear today had I realized that was the proper attire for the day, but um, let me, I, I, when, you, when, you, when you do what I do, and I, I, I so enjoy, I'm so thankful for all your, your kindness over the last year, I mean, there are a number of people who make your life um, so much easier. And it's people like Dawn that lead a children's ministry that take care of the children back there. It's people like Mason and others who have stepped up and leading up here in front. And uh, Jay does not have an ugly mug, but brought a big smile to my face when I saw him this morning. So I, so I didn't see it as ugly or anything like that. But the whole group up here, you're so happy to see them and what a wonderful job they do. And then the other part that, uh, that frequently goes un, unnoticed or unrecognized until something goes wrong, don't you love that? When your job is a job that nobody notices except when something goes wrong, right? Um, yeah, there's yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the tech people. They they always do a wonderful job. Yeah, you can give them a round of applause. As a As a matter of fact, without the screen here, right, you guys would just be doomed with me going on and on forever. Uh, he is back there keeping me on track, keeping me moving, saying, Joel, you've only got so much time. Let's keep moving here. Let's keep going. But um, I, I want to announce this week, if you, have an, if you are somebody that has a little bit of a skill in tech or if you have an interest in tech, there is sound back there. There's lighting. There's also working the, working the sli- uh, screen, keeping a, the slides and everything like that so that we sing well, so that we can see the scripture up here on the screen with us as well. If you have an interest in that, we would encourage you to go back and uh, meet with them. Christian is back there this morning. He would be glad to say hello and tell you what they are, what they are looking for in that. Um, I used to like Christian. I know, uh-oh. Until this week, um, he put a post out on Facebook. My, I, I am not a huge social media guy, so if you try to reach me on that, I apologize. I, I, miss, I miss so much of that. But um, my wife was telling me, hey, we're, we're looking for tech people. Christian put a t- post out there that if you can deal with Joel's lousy puns, I don't think that was the term he used, all right? But I, I, that's the way I interpret things, okay? And um, something about sports, I, I didn't even realize I ever mentioned sports up here. Do I do that on occasion? <laughs> I didn't even realize I was a sports fan. But uh, he, he invited people to come back and help. But uh, in all seriousness, I am so thankful to them. They do a great job. And if that is something that you're there like, hey, I, I, do, have a little bit of a, I do have a little bit of an ability in there, um, go back and see them this morning. They would be glad to have you help them. So thank you to them. Thank you to everybody who makes so much work, work so well here. And even as Dawn mentioned, thank you so much for those of you who give. Um, I pick on Dawn, but at the same time, I love it because her heart comes up here, and her heart for ministry, her heart for children, and uh, that is what we love to see. We love to see a heart, people who, have a, people who have a heart for people serving in ministry, so we are so thankful that you are here this morning, thankful for those of you who give to make this ministry do what it does, ability, the ability to do what it does, or anything like that. Thank you to each one of you. So today... Is a is a wonderful day. I don't know how many of you. A few of you are dressed in costumes. Some of you are in tremendous costumes, right? And some of you are in the same one that you wear every week. So I'm not certain about that. But today is a great, great day, and um, I, I hope you're excited about it. I'm excited about it because today is. Reformation Sunday. I don't know if you're aware of that, right? I hope some of you are. But today is Reformation Day. As a matter of fact, it is 504 years ago today, if you're keeping track, 504 years ago today that Martin Luther posted his 95 thesis on the Wittenberg door. And if you're there, like, I don't really know what you're talking about with that. Let me just tell you, the reason that you are in a church like this today can be traced back to that moment in history, that moment in time, more than likely, because apart from that moment in time, that is when Martin Luther took on the then-Pope and the Catholic Church altogether, together, and, and this is not anything bashing, nothing bad or at all that I say there, but it was, there were things taking place. There were the sale of indulgences that were taking place at that time. And Martin Luther, and the sale of indulgences was, if you pay the church enough, we will forgive your sin. So I would come and to somebody like Joel and say, Hey, Joel, I really don't like my neighbor. I'm going to burn down his house. How much does it cost me if I go burn down his house? you know what, give the church 500 bucks and you'll be fine. That's a slight exaggeration as to how it goes, but that was the idea of the sale of indulgences. All right, I could buy off my sin was the idea there. And Martin Luther took that on. And understand, in doing so, he took on the power of the Pope, which then is still very big today, but then was even more powerful in the world. And as a result of that, as a result of that, um, let me say it this way. Uh, the best way that I can say it, a civil war within Christianity broke out over the next uh, 30 to 50 years of his lifetime. And Martin Luther did not intend for that to be the case. But that is where most of our Protestant denominations, a Protestant denomination, that is what we are, would trace back to the days of Martin Luther. So it is a great day in the history of the church. Now, it also can be a painful day in the history of the church. Why? Because we see that there has that been Bruises that there's been bumps that there's been tears within the church all throughout the centuries. But I, I say that to remind each one of us: is this people? We are people, broken people, which means that sometimes broken people are involved in churches as well, right? And sometimes it doesn't always go the way that it should. Sometimes some of those broken individuals all right, lead in bad manners. And that's what was happening back then within the church, right? And while the church has its bruises, while it has its bumps, while it has its history of things that, you know what, we may not look back at and say that is what we love, the fact of the matter is still this. Christ died for the church. God gave His Son for the church in spite of all those bumps and bruises. So that is something worth celebrating. Hopefully today you can celebrate that. Reformation Sunday, the posting of the 95 Thesis, Martin Luther King. I love it. And it also kind of combines with our story today because our story today, talking about Moses, is about our lives, all right? And within talking about our lives, we have a history Martin Luther had a history and still has a history, and it's not all perfect, it's not all pretty, it's not all, uh, it's all, not all pristine and beautiful, all right? There are things there that Martin Luther, you, you, you really goofed up on, but there's also some things there that he did really well, um, um, going to the power, instead of the power in the hands of a pope, in the top, but rather the power is through the Bible, through the Word of God, and translating that into the common person's language. Martin Luther did that, translated it into German, into the German language, and then got that posted around. And the Bible started getting out into the hands of people instead of others just telling people what it said. And our challenge here always is that you be students of the Bible. Don't just trust whatever I say up here or whoever it is it says up front, but rather check it yourself and read that. And Martin Luther, somebody whose name lives on today, Moses, somebody whose name lives on today, not a whole lot of names always live on, right? A lot of us want to be famous. A lot of people may think they're famous, and yet throughout history, fame is very fleeting. And the story of the human life, the story of our life, is one that God is working in And he is working in you, and he is working in me. And today we're going to take a look at that in Exodus chapter 2. And our first verse is found in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11, that we're going to take a look at. Going back to talking about that video, how Moses is drawn out of the water, God is going to use him, and when we get to Moses, uh, excuse me, when we get to Exodus chapter 2, this is what we have to say, this is what we learn about Moses, and it's after he has grown up, so it's after we see that video, after Moses has grown up, all right, he went out to where his own people were, right? So Moses was brought up in the palace, he was brought up by Pharaoh's daughter, and he was raised, in, he was raised right, with, with, right there within Pharaoh's palace and house, and raised in a great manner. And did not it was not out with his people, and was not out as a slave or anything like that, but rather raised in wealth, in dignity, in education, and everything like that that they would have had to offer for him right there, right? And, and he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew one of his own people. So as he sees this taking place, all right, as he's out there and he sees this taking place, he looks this way, all right? He looks this way and that, seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. So he goes out and sees his own people, sees an Egyptian beating him, looks around, makes sure the coast is clear and he kills the Egyptian, hides him in the sand. The problem with hiding things in the sand is what? The sand blows and it doesn't stay that way, right? It becomes uncovered. So what happened? The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? To Moses, it seems so clear, why would you do this? Why would you be beating up one of your own? What are you thinking? The man said, who made you, uh, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian He had seen what had taken place the day before somehow. Maybe he had found the body. Maybe he had been at a distance. Whatever it was, he was aware of what had taken place. Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And this becomes part of Moses' past. And as it becomes part of his past, it is something that he is afraid of. You and I can probably relate to that, right? We have a past, and there are probably things in your past that maybe you're fearful of. I don't want that known about me. I don't want people to be aware of that. That is the case of Moses. You see, human emotion is the same today as it was 3,500 years ago as we look at the story of Moses, right? Human emotion is still there. What you have within you, what you have, the feelings that you have, that is true of other people. There may be changes. There may be slight things the way that we change and the way that we feel, the way that we know, but it's still there. When Pharaoh heard of this, the story continues. He tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters And they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. So as he's sitting near this, this is what he sees. Some shepherds come up, all right? Some shepherds of Midian. Excuse me, some shepherds come along, um, came along and drove them away. But Moses got up. And came to their rescue and watered the flock. So as these daughters of Midian are there, Moses sees what's taking place. The shepherds come and they are mistreating them. And what does Moses do? He helps the ladies there. Once again, seeing people in need, he offers help and brings help. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in Marriage. So this was the deal that took place, right? Hey, I get get married here as well, all right? So he comes out there, he helps out, and a love, a romance, whatever it is, however it works there, all right? It buds and it starts there. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. Moses, aware of his past, the upbringing in in Pharaoh's palace, leaves because of this murder, because Pharaoh is now after him. And he goes to a foreign land. And when he becomes a, a foreigner in a foreign land, that is what is on his mind. All right? During that long period, so it's not just a short period of time, but a long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and and led the flock to to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So as we get to this part of the story, I just want you to realize where we are at in Moses' life. He is gone, he has left, he has started a new life. And not only has he started a new life, it's been a number of years. We are probably talking in the range of 40 years, all right? It's probably around four, Moses was probably around the age of 40 when he uh, when, when the murder happened and when he left Egypt, he's probably around 80 now. When he is going to be called here, and this is going to be one of the stories that if you grew up in church, you have heard this story numerous times. As a matter of fact, there are fun things you can do with this story as it comes about here. All right, and maybe I'll maybe I'll have a little bit of fun. If you guys don't look like you're in for fun this morning, a handful of you do. The rest of you are like I I just want a nap. Can I have a nap? Next week is the fallback, all right? You get the extra hour next week, not this week, all right? Extra hour next week. But this is what continues on here with the story in chapter 3, verse 2, all right? He continues on like this. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Now, this is the part that's fun. If you grew up with the King James Version of the Bible... All right, um, no, nothing bad here. The King James Version, a uh, wonderful, a wonderful translation for a number of years used. Right, but it was the the bush burneth, upeth, and wyeth, and Moses looked at it, and all of these little s and everything like that, and he walketh over to it. Right, um, no good. All right, we won't work on that. Some of you, you're not familiar with the old uh, King James Version. You're like, I don't remember it that way. All right, but Moses is looking and he sees a bush that's on fire and for some reason, it's not, bur- it's not burning up. So Moses thought, you and I think the same thing. If we saw a fire and whatever it was that was burning is not burning up, we would be the same thing, wouldn't we? We would be curious. What's going on over there? What's this flame? Moses walks over. I will go over and I will see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Now it's really strange, right? Not only is the bush on fire, but now there is a voice coming from the bush. And not only is there a voice now coming from the bush, but the voice knows my name. Do any of you find this strange? We become so familiar with the story that we're just like, well, that's what happened. I don't know. Yeah. It's strange, all right? We don't walk to bushes. Bushes don't burn and not burn up. Bushes don't talk, all right? I'm well aware of that. It's not the wind blowing through it, and there's a noise, and Moses wasn't sure, all right? All right? But rather, God is speaking to Moses. And at this moment, Moses, the one who had murdered the Egyptian all those years earlier, Buried him and left and said, "I'm out of here and I've started a new life. God, just leave me alone. My life is going well. I have a family. I'm doing well here. I have a herd. A, I have a herd, my own flock, and everything like that. Life is going well. Just let me live my retirement years alone and in my own good way. I've got a good 401k. God, leave me alone. This flock." They're good. They're going to take care of me. It's a Roth, okay? They're going to leave me alone in taxes as well out here. Egypt's leaving me alone. I'm good. All right? So he goes over and uh, he cries out, Moses, Moses. And Moses answered, here am I. And I guess that's what you do when a bush calls your name. You say, here am I. Yeah. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Where God is, there is holy ground. Where God is located, when you come to his location, it is holy. And God cries out to him, and Moses hears him, and Moses responds, and what does he say? Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. One of the things that I love about this passage is God lets Moses know exactly who he is. Now, for you and I, it might be easy because we're so familiar with the story and for you and I, we don't worship other gods. We don't worship the sun god, we, right? We worship the money god or the fame god or the popularity god. But, but for Moses, um, God's making it aware. Moses, you're in this foreign land as well. My people are in a foreign land. But I want you to know that I made a promise to my people I want you to be aware. I made a promise to my people. I made a promise to Abraham. I made a promise to Isaac. I made a promise to Jacob. And I am calling out to you and I want you to know. All right. And he continues on. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've seen it. I'm aware of what is taking place. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. God is letting them know there is something that I am ready to do. And now the cry of Israel, of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And if you're Moses, you're saying, God, I was with you up until that last verse. Yeah, it's bad back there. Remember, I was there. I saw it. I was upset. I killed one of the Egyptians. And I said, that's all I can do. I'm in trouble. I'm out and I'm leaving. So I'm in agreement with you, God. It's bad back there. I'm glad that you are moving on behalf of them. Go back. Take care of them. Hang on a minute. What, what's a, So now I am set. Me? Why me? I'm good over here. Like I just said, my life is okay. I'm doing well. Leave me alone. I'm here. All right? I believe in you. I think you're wonderful. But God, find somebody else. Those are going to be the thoughts that go through his mind here in a little bit. But I want you to know, God comes down and he grabs Moses. Hang on a minute, God. Moses has a, he, has a, he has a past that's not the best. There's a lot of people here, right, this morning that haven't killed anyone. I, I hope that's you, all right? I'm taking a step back, all right? Um, anyway, right, we, we, God, Moses, I want you to know, we have a past, and you may let your past define you, but God doesn't. One of the things within church all right? We're good at letting people's past define them as well. Oh, that's your past. Okay, we, we, we don't mind you being here, but you're going to stay afar, right? Church can do that. People can do that. They can see your past, and they can look at you, and they can say, eh, we're, we're a little nervous about that one. And sometimes it's correct. Sometimes it's correct because sometimes we do things that that limit us and our ability to serve, our ability to do certain things because of certain behaviors, right? That is true. But when God sees your past, He still has something that you can do. And God doesn't let your past define you. So when you walk in and you have a past that is holding you back and you say, I can't do this because of that, know this. God is able to work with that. He's able to work through that. He is able to bring you out. The story, The story. Um, as we look at that story in Moses there, I, I just want to jump us over into Luke because one of the things that I'm interested about in the past is Jesus tells a parable in Luke and, and the parable that he tells in Luke is of two men. One a Pharisee and the other just a regular tax collector just and in, in, in the New Testament the tax collector wasn't something that was good it was viewed as a sinner he was a sinner and in Luke chapter 18 we're told these words two men went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector and Jesus as he goes on and tells this parable tells that the tax collector he goes up to the temple and he prays and he says how wonderful he is let's God know that you know what I fast twice a week Um, Lord, I give a tenth of all that I have. I'm really, really good. And God, you're probably glad to have me. I don't have a checkered past. However, the publican, the tax collector, the sinner, these were his words. He didn't even look up to heaven, but rather beat his chest. And he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus, the words that he gives are this, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. And he goes on in that passage to talk about humility, walking with humility. Why? Because he was humble and not filled with pride. I guess that almost makes me think that God is able to use those and use our past. And those of us that are willing to be humble. Those of us that are willing to humble ourselves before him. And God is going to be back at work with Moses. You see, God isn't running from your past. He's using it. For many of us, we think that we need to run from our past. We need to get away from it. We need to be afraid of it. We need to be fearful. Nobody can find out about it. No one can know. But rather, God is there like, listen, you don't have to run. I will use you in spite of your past. Can you be like the publican? Can you beat your chest and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner? Someone's fallen short. Back to our story. All right, back to our story of Moses. But this is what Moses said to God. Who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses, his immediate question, God, who am I? I'm not the one that I should do this. As a matter of fact, like I said, I'm fine over here. Moses, who are you? You're someone that grew up in Pharaoh's house. You know their ways. You have access. You have knowledge. You have education that nobody else has within your people. Do you understand that, Moses? I drew you out of a river. It may have been the daughter of Pharaoh that drew you out, but understand that it was me that was working behind the scenes and brought you up out of the river. I'm the one that had you raised in that location. I'm the one that had you set up there. I am the one that is calling you to now go back, and you are going to lead my people out. And God said... I will be with you, right? Hey, I'm going to be with you. And as God said, I will be with you, Moses said to God, suppose, what if I go back and they don't listen to me? Suppose I go back and they don't hear me. Suppose I go back and they mock me. Suppose I go back and they remember my past. What if if those guys that saw me, what if they're still there and they know me, they recognize me, they're aware of who I am. Suppose, suppose, suppose. Have you ever do that with God? Go back, God suppose, that this gets found out. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. When they want to know who it is that is bringing you back, when they want to know who it is that's sending you back, when they say, who gives you the authority? Who gives you the right? Who gives you the power? Who makes you the one in charge? Who put you in charge? I want you to go back and I want you to tell them, I am I am. Who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites: I am has sent me to you. The story goes on a little bit later in Matthew. Excuse me, in, in uh, Exodus chapter four. Moses answered, "What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? What if I go back?" This is a pretty far-fetched story. God, not a whole lot. A lot of times where bushes burn and people call out of the bush. That's not really uh, how it works. All right, um, they're not, how are they gonna believe this? Then the Lord said to him, "'What is that in your hand?' "'A staff,' he replied. The Lord said, "Throw "'Throw it on the ground.' Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, "'Reach out your hand and take it by the tail.' So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and turned it back into the staff in his hand. "'This,' said the Lord,' Shall be, is, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. He gives them, tells them another sign in the following verses. There, stick your hand inside. Oh, it comes out lepers. Ah, and he's scared. There, as it's lepers, put it back in, and it's gone. And God says, "Look, I will be with you." And in, in verse chapter, and excuse me, in verse ten, he says this. He goes on. Moses said to the Lord, "Pardon your servant, Lord." I've got another problem, God, please understand. Uh, that, that snake thing, that's really cool. The stuff he's like, hmm, how do I do that? Uh um I, I like that, that's kind of tricky. Uh that leper I don't like that one. That's really scary. All right. But God, I I've got another problem. Pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and I am slow of tongue. God, God, I've got a problem talking. I can't talk well. Don't you see that? I've got problems, Lord. I I think you have the wrong person. You see, Moses saw his limitations. And you and I, we may let our limitations define us. But God doesn't. Right? Right? Sometimes we get caught in this idea that maybe I need to know more, I need to be stronger, I need to be better at this, I need to be better at that, I need to do better, 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 and then maybe I can serve God. Maybe once I get good enough, God will use me. And the point of this passage right here is God is reaching out to Moses and he's letting him, no, 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 Moses, I have prepared you just as I wanted you. I have prepared you the way I want you to be. Yeah, did you do some things outside of what you were supposed to do? Absolutely, but you are still the one that I am choosing. You are the one that I am taking back. I am going to use you. Do not let your limitations define who you are. See, when I am weak, then he is strong. The Apostle Paul tells us that. In my weakness... He is strong. You see, in our story of the Pharisee, the Pharisee thought thought he was the one that was strong. He was the one that could be used. He's the one that should be used. God, look at me. Here I am. And God said, I'll tell you what, the publican, I'll take him. The one that says, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Lord said to Moses, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. One of the amazing things about this passage as it continues on is God is going to let him know you are going to be like God to Pharaoh when you go and talk to him. You are going to be like God's voice speaking to him. And I am going to deliver my people through you, Moses. God isn't worried about what you lack. He's providing it. Sometimes I see everything that I lack. Sometimes you see everything that you lack. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. God provides. God is ready to work. God is willing to work through you. Are you willing to allow him to work through you? Are you willing to allow God to use you in the manner that he would desire and look to use you? You see, for each one of us, for you and for me, Your past doesn't define you. Don't let it do that. See, God doesn't, you look back at that and say, oh, that's all you are. You're just no good drunk. You grew up that way and that's the way you're always going to be. That's what people may say about you. Mm -mm. God doesn't say that about you. He's ready to use you. Are you ready to be used by him? God isn't running from your past. Are you running from your past? God isn't running from it. He's ready to use it. Think of the story of Jonah. Jonah decided to run from God, right? If you're familiar with that story, Jonah decided, I'm going to run from God. He couldn't, he couldn't get far enough away. How far do we have to go to get away from God? How far do we have to go to get away from our past? The problem is we can't get away from it. It's there. And it may be checkered. It may be hurtful. It may be something we don't want to deal with. But God can use it. God can use you. You may let your limitations define you. Is that you? Do you let your limitations define you? We all do that at times, don't we? I can't do this. God doesn't. He has the ability to use us to work through that. Or maybe it's something else that he is preparing you to work, and you're there like, oh, I never thought about that. And God is looking to use you in that manner. And God isn't worried about what you like. He's God. Oh, boy, I'm sorry. You like something? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm God. All right? And God can step in and he can help and he can be the one that supplies all that we need. And as we look at this passage and as we come to the conclusion of this message here, of the story this morning that we're looking at, where Moses is chosen by God to go and serve, I'm reminded of this, that right when the time was right, right at the perfect time in history, when God said the time is right, he sent the great I am into history. Jesus Christ Stepped into history right at the perfect time, according to the Apostle Paul. And when he stepped into history, the great I Am said what? I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the truth, the way. I am. Jesus spoke into the world. He spoke into the lives of the people in the first century. And he said, I want you to know that the great I Am is here. And when he packed it all up and when he closed up shop and when he said, hey, I am now going back to my father and I am leaving the whole operation in your hands, what did he say? He said these words, I want you to know, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Do you think God's able to use you? I think he probably is. I don't know your background. I don't know your history. I don't know what you're running from. I don't even know your age. I know Moses was 80. And God said, I can use you. I know Joseph was 16, 17. Mary, a teen. God said, I can use you. You see, God can use whoever it is that he chooses to use. Abraham, another one that was older, right when God said, I am going to use you. How about the young man who had the fish and the loaves and God said, you know what, I will use you. I think God can use us. Are we willing to be used by him? Are we willing to humble ourselves? The human story of Exodus, the story of Moses a story that each one of us can grab onto. Why? Because God is in the process of using His people to do what it is that He has a desire of us to do. Will you be used by Him as well? Pray with me, if you would, please. God, as we close our time this morning, I say thank you, Lord. Thank you for each one that is here this morning. I say thank you, God, that you are a good and gracious God. God, you use us in spite of who we are, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our shortcomings, in spite of the fact that we have pasts that don't look beautiful. Yeah. And Lord, when we talk pasts, we're not always talking 30, 40 years ago. We might just be talking this week. And yet, God, you desire to step in. The great I am stepped into the world and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Lord, we say thank you for that. I say thank you for each of the individuals here. And Lord, I pray that this week, that as we close this message out, that Lord, you would just... Your Holy Spirit would work in the lives of each one here according to, Lord, how you would have this land in our lives, how you would have it work out in our lives, according to your great plan, how it works here at Bridgewater-Conklin, how it works in the Conklin area, how it works in the greater Binghamton area, all around here, Lord. How can we be your servants this week? God, help us. Lord, I pray that you would bless each one here. That you would help us to realize that we have a God who is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or even imagine according to the work, according to the grace that is at work in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it is in his name that we pray these things, Lord, and ask that you would bless and work in the hearts of your people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Amen.